Thank you for tuning in to the Lakewood Grace Podcast. We're a church in Lakewood, Washington, and whether you're listening from around the corner or from around the world, we're glad that you're here. We hope this sermon equips you to be the Christian the world needs today. If you'd like to learn more about us, head on over to lakewoodgrace.com. And now, for this week's sermon. Good morning, Little Church and Lakewood Grace. It is great to be with you. Uh, the text this morning, we're in our sermon series uh, in First Peter, uh, and living in exile, living in exile. And the text for this morning comes to us from First Peter chapter 1, verses 6 through 12. Listen now to God's word to you and to me. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care trying to find out the time and the circumstances which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. When they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even angels, long to look into these things. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hey, you know, context first. Uh, first thing is that Peter would have flunked uh, high school English. Uh, verses 3 through 12 is one long run-on sentence. One sentence that covers all the way from verse 3 to verse 12. Now, the topic that Peter is addressing has to deal with suffering and trials. You see, the church to whom Peter was writing was going through great persecution, and it would only get worse. You see, Caesar, the Roman emperor, was not only a political figure, but he was considered deity. And so there were regular ceremonies, public ceremonies, where people in the Roman Empire needed to pay their allegiance to Caesar publicly, where they would go and bow down before his statue and declare before everyone, Caesar is Lord. Now, this was problematic for the Jews because they believed that only God is Lord. And only one group of people in the entire Roman Empire were exempt from the public swearing of allegiance to the Caesar, and that was the Jews, because the Jews had a long history. The Romans had an open view of all kinds of religions, as long as people would pay their allegiance, ultimate allegiance, to Caesar. 
Caesar is Lord. Only one group were exempt from that, and that was the Jews. Now, here's the thing. The first Christians were all Jews. And so the first Christians right after Jesus in the book of Acts, where they worshiped is in the synagogues. Now, as long as Christians worshiped in the synagogues, they too were exempt from swearing allegiance to Caesar. But as time went by, and within years, uh, what started happening was the Christians started converting the Jews. Now, the synagogue rulers and leaders didn't take too kindly to that. And so within years, all Christian groups were expelled and kicked out of the synagogues. And once the Christians were banned from the synagogues, the Christians were no longer exempt from publicly swearing allegiance to Caesar. And in fact, if we look at church history and Josephus, what we find is that many Christians will go to the death refusing to declare Caesar as Lord, for they knew Jesus is Lord. Now that's when the persecution of the Christians began, when the Christians were kicked out of the synagogues. Caesar didn't take kindly to folks who wouldn't pay allegiance to him. It became illegal to be a Christian. It became illegal to gather as Christians. And that's why all the Christians who were dispersed began to meet secretly in house churches and homes. This was the world in which Christians were living in. And this is to whom the letter is addressed, 1 Peter. The church to whom Peter was writing was going through great persecution, and it would only get worse. And the issue behind this persecution that the Christians were wondering is, has Christ betrayed us? I mean, if Jesus talks about, and God promises, and Paul promises, and Peter promises, all these great things about the kingdom of Jesus Christ, What's with all this persecution? What's with all this suffering? What's with all this death? Has Christ betrayed us? And this question arises from two realities. The current reality of the persecution and suffering and the promises of Jesus. And the incredible promises Pastor Brad talked about last week in verses 1 through 6. Let me just Go back to the beginning of the sentence in verses 3 through 5. We are told, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth and a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who are being protected by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, don't miss this. You see, what Christ does for us in, on the cross is Christ did for us what we cannot do on our own. We aren't sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. There is no way for us to keep God's commands perfectly. There is no way we can be good on our own. There is no good in us. The purpose of the law isn't to set a bar, a goal for which we can attain. The purpose of the law and the law is given 
to help us recognize that it is absolutely impossible for us on our own to keep God's laws. We are incapable of being good. And in fact, the scriptures tell us in the New Testament that there is only one who is good, and that is God. Only God is good. And so God sends his son to die on the cross to bear the weight and the guilt of sin and offer anyone who trusts in him and his sacrifice new life. That's the good news. That's the gospel. God does for us that which we cannot do on our own. And in Jesus Christ, we are made new creations. And the moment we trust God, we experience a new birth. God makes us new. That's why we have an imperishable, undefiled, unfading salvation. It was purchased by Jesus. It was paid by Jesus. And there is nothing in the created universe that can take that away. God protects, guards, and honors our salvation because Jesus did for us what we couldn't ever do. This is a gift, not of our works. This is all by God's grace, grace alone, in Christ alone. Therefore, God sends us out as apostles into the exile of the dispersion, chosen and destined, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So when Peter begins our text in verse 6 with, in this you rejoice, that's what Paul, Peter is referring to, all of that. Nothing happening today is catching God off guard because God knew what times we would be living in. And because God desires for the church and her saints to thrive, God has provided us with everything we need to thrive under present circumstances. Now, I find it very interesting that Peter doesn't address the church in terms of their ancestry, their background, their social status, their wealth, or poverty. You see, that's the way we used to identify ourselves. All those things are a part of how people before Christ find their identity. And it's easy to forget our basic identity as Christians, and it is therefore important to be reminded of our identity on a regular basis, because we forget. Now, Almost everyone listening to this, you've owned a car. And if you are wise, you regularly take your car to be serviced so that anything that's starting to go wrong can be put right. And in the same way, we who are Christians need to be reminded weekly of who we are. And unless we do that, the insidious message we get from the world around us that we are who we are because of who our parents were or where we live or how much we earn, this insidious message of the world begins to eat away at us. Sadly, we're all tempted, too tempted to find our joy and identity in so many other things in this world. And that may explain why for so many of us, our lives feel, feel like a continuous roller coaster, up and down, up and down all the time. Because when our joy and identity is rooted in financial security, it will rise and fall on the amount of money we have and on the stock market. When our joy and identity is rooted in a particular person or relationship, <coughs> it will rise and fall on the basis of how that person 
response to us when our joy and identity is rooted in social standing it will rise and fall on the basis of whether or not we are accepted or rejected when our identity and joy is rooted in our present circumstances it will rise and fall on the basis of whether we're going through a good season or not this is not who you are You are redeemed. You are saved. Therefore, you are apostles sent out, exiles of the dispersion sent to Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, Tacoma, University Place, Furcrest, Stilicum, DuPont, Lakewood, chosen and destined by God and sanctified by the Holy Spirit to be hope in hopeless places, to be the light in the darkness so that through you, God can push back the darkness of this insidious world. That's why this weekly calibration, we call it worship, has to be non-negotiable for us. We need to be reminded of this gospel identity in Jesus Christ that we have been made new, that Christ did for us what we could not do on our own. We need to be reminded of who we are because of who God is every week. It has to be non-negotiable because when our joy and identity is found in knowing who we are and whose we are and where we are destined, then our joy will always be constant because the grounds of our joy never shift. The grounds of our identity never change. No present circumstances can ever take away from us our destiny, our purpose, and our identity. Now, Peter reminds of the church, reminds the church of the four reasons why they can endure trials. They can not only endure trials, but they can thrive and rejoice and, and hope in the midst of trials. Four reasons. First, our hope in Christ points us beyond trials and suffering. Peter tells us trials and suffering is temporary, but our hope in Christ that we have been made new, that's for eternity. Secondly, he tells us every test, every trial is a test for us. Before gold is pure, it has to be tested in the fire. Trials are meant not to take the strength out of us, but to put strength into us. Think about athletics. Think about Pastor Brad. In order to get stronger in lifting weights, you know what you do? You lift heavier weights, more weights. You push the body and you test the body. And it is only through testing the body that you get stronger. The purpose of trials and tests is not to take the strength out of us. It's to put strength in us in order to get faster as a runner. What do you do? You run faster, more than what you are capable of doing. And the more you push and the more you suffer and the more you test your body, the stronger, the faster you get. That's how it is with faith. God tests us not to take the strength out of us, but to put more strength in our faith. And then the third reason Peter reminds us that we can thrive in the midst of the pandemic, in the midst of the social upheaval of our society, the reason why we can thrive and rejoice 
in trials and sufferings is because at the end of it, when Christ returns, and he will, we will receive from him glory and honor. And as we endure with joy, knowing who we are and whose we are, we will hear from our Lord and Master, well done, good and faithful servant. And then the final reason, and this is, this is huge. When the saints endure and rejoice in trials and sufferings, which are temporary because of the eternal promises God gives through us, God is glorified by our faithfulness. Christ suffered before he entered into glory. And if we are Christ followers, shouldn't we expect the same? And in fact, as the letter to the uh, first Peter continues, he will say exactly that. Why do you find the present trials and suffering as a surprise? Of course we do that. Of course we encounter trials. Christ did the same which led to his glory, which leads to our salvation. So if you are a Christ follower, we follow Christ's pattern. Our suffering is not a sign that Christ has failed us. Rather, it is a sign of our fellowship with the crucified, risen Lord who first suffered for us. And then in, in the closing, you know, as preachers tend to do, sometimes we get off on a sidebar. And he's got two sidebars here that I think are fascinating. We won't spend a lot of time on them, but I just want to mention them to you. In verses 8 through 9, Peter writes to these uh, Christians. He says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the goal of, goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You see, Peter hung out with Jesus. He saw Jesus. He ate with Jesus. He touched Jesus. He walked with Jesus for three years. And so, of course, he believes in Jesus, right? And he's looking at all these Christians now in the first century church of people who have never seen the physical Jesus. And he's like, wow, you guys believe him too. Wow, you guys have this inexpressible joy too. How crazy is that? That's awesome. And then finally, he reminds us of the incredible joy because the second sidebar is in verses 10 through 12 concerning the prophets and the angels. And he ends up saying, this salvation in Jesus Christ that these that we are experiencing in Jesus, the person of Jesus, even though we haven't seen him physically yet, although we haven't seen him, we still have this inexpressible joy. He says, this is the salvation that the prophets long for, that the prophets wrote about. And in fact, if Moses and Isaiah and Elijah and Abraham, David, any of the prophets and any of the Old Testament fathers before, if they had a chance to be who you are now, experiencing the fullness of Jesus Christ, knowing who he is because of the word of God, they would give anything to trade places with us. And in fact, this is something that the angels have longed to look at. 
So what are our takeaways from this First Peter passage? Well, the first takeaway is this. Nothing happening today is taking God by surprise. So in this pandemic, God placed us here and has given us everything we need in Jesus Christ to thrive and grow during this season. It's not enough for us to endure this pandemic. Christ expects the church and his saints to thrive and grow and mature and get stronger and have greater impact during this season because Jesus is more than enough. God wants us to be agents of blessing because God has blessed us. And because God has blessed us, God wants to use us as agents of blessing. God wants to use us to be hope as he fills us up with his hope for this hopeless world. God wants to use us to shine his light in our dark world as Christ's light shines on us. God is strengthening our faith during this season as God leads us through this season of pandemic and suffering, God is strengthening our faith. And our faithfulness and our obedience through this season brings glory and honor to God. So I commend you, little church. I commend you, Lake of Grace, for your weekly calibration for your daily reading of God's word, for your regular prayer life, because that's how God blesses you. And God blesses you in order that you might be a blessing to all those who are around you. Let me close with a statement by William Barclay. He wrote, Jesus promised to his disciples three things, that they would be completely fearless, absurdly happy and in constant trouble. I think that pretty much sums it up. So what trials are you facing now? What grief are you experiencing? You don't have to belittle it. You don't have to act as if it doesn't exist and it doesn't hurt. But neither must you despair in it or be crushed by it. If you have trusted in Christ, God is at work in your life and he will not waste your suffering. Keep trusting in Christ. Keep loving Jesus. Remember the living hope you have. Remember the inheritance you will enjoy. Look at how God has guarded your faith through your trials. Know that God is refining and strengthening your faith in these trials during this pandemic. And so church, because of Jesus, we rejoice. Amen. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you for your son. We thank you that in your son, you do for us that which we cannot do for ourselves. Lord, we are hopelessly lost in sin. So God, our only hope is a redeemer, a savior. So God, we turn to you on a regular basis confessing our sins in need of a Savior who redeems us and rescues us. Oh God, we thank you for your Son. We thank you for this imperishable, for this amazing grace, 
Thank you, God. Thank you for your good news. Thank you for this salvation. Friends, listen, if you've never received Jesus as Lord and Savior, you will battle with your sin and your identity and your purpose all of your life. Nothing in this world can ever fill you and satisfy you and change you as only Christ can. And how that begins is by surrendering and saying, God, I can't do this. I can't be good. There is no good in me. I keep messing up even though I don't want to. And I keep hurting the very people that I love because of my sin. And so, Lord, I'm surrendering. Rescue me from my sin. Because that's exactly what God will do for you. God will do for us in Jesus Christ what we cannot do for ourselves. God will rescue us, redeem us, and save us. That's the good news. And so if you've never done that, this is the way you begin. I want you to close your eyes and say with your own words something like this, Jesus, I surrender. I receive you as Lord and Savior. Forgive my sins. Make me new. I commit to follow you, for you are Lord. And if you've prayed that prayer, praise God. Welcome to the family of faith. Doesn't mean troubles don't come. It means troubles don't defeat us. And for the rest of us, we need a weekly reminder, a weekly recalibration to be told, to be reminded of who we are. We are redeemed and our salvation is guaranteed in the person of Jesus Christ who has already done for us that which we cannot do for ourselves. And there is no longer any condemnation because Jesus paid it all. That's the good news. And in that church, we rejoice, we thrive, we grow, and we strengthen even in the midst of this pandemic. Join with me in a word of prayer. Hey God, thank you so much. You are an amazing, amazing God. Thank you for rescuing us and now choosing to use us in your church to be a blessing to this community. Lord, this world needs to hear this good news, this gospel, this Jesus. So help us to be about your kingdom work. Thank you so much. It's in your son's name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. Thank you again for listening to the Lakewood Grace Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe and then head on over to lakewoodgrace.com slash connect where you'll find a link to contact us or you can fill out a communication card. Have a wonderful week. God bless.